Good morning, church. It's good to see everybody. It is good to see everybody. I'm glad you're here. The bulletin mentions Psalm 100. I'm going to be reading that at the end of this lesson this morning. But I want to focus for a few moments on just two points. And all God's people say, that's that's enough out of you. Uh, (laughs) But anyway, uh, a simple thank you. A simple thank you goes a long way. A few days before Thanksgiving, an elderly man in Phoenix, Arizona, called his son in New York City. And he said, son, I really hate to ruin your day. But your mother and I are getting divorced after 45 years of misery. That's enough. I can't take any more. He said, I really don't want to talk about it now. But I want you to call your sister in Chicago and give her the news. So frantic, the son called his sister in Chicago and told her over the phone that mom and dad said they're getting a divorce. The sister simply exploded. They're not getting divorced if I have anything to say about it. I'll take care of this. So she hung up the phone from her brother. She called Phoenix. And she said, Father, you're not getting a divorce. I'm not going to let it happen. Don't you do a single thing until I get there. My brother and I are going to fly down there tomorrow. We're going to take care of this. She hung up the phone. He turned to his wife and he said, Honey, the kids are coming home for Thanksgiving. And they're paying for their own flights to get here. The man hung up the phone. They all hung up the phone, but they got together, and it was joyous, especially after hearing they're not getting a divorce. Thanksgiving, we know, is a time for family. It's when families get together to eat, to share, to laugh, to have memories of the past and make new ones for the future. Some of us have the privilege of being with family on Thanksgiving. To draw together, to sit down and and overeat (laughs) and enjoy the time we share together and to sit back in an easy chair and say, I sure wish I hadn't done that. When are we having dinner? Some of us don't have the privilege of being with family at Thanksgiving, or other times. But I still believe we can, to the very core of who we are, reach down and say, thank you. Thank you for the life that you've given me. People, we are so blessed. And I've heard that term more than once simply this morning. I know I've heard it other times as we've been together. But I read an article about Arnold Schwarzenegger. And this is supposed to be true. It's a little dated, so it might be a little uh, changed from what I'm going to tell you. But this article was entitled, Arnold's Toys. Arnold is not only worth $800 million or more, he also loves his toys, and he has plenty of toys 
that he plays with. He smokes $4,000 cigars. One cigar, $4,000. A pair of shoes costs him $5,000 because they're special made from a special person. He wears suits that cost as much as $3,000 or more to impress people. He has a $12.5 million Gulfstream jet. Arnold and his family cruise on a 4.5 million 88-foot yacht. That's a small rowboat. He also has a fondness for Hummers, the automobile, that big tank that sometimes we see on the road and think, why are they doing that? Six miles per gallon? If that. But I understand he owns nine of them. Maybe more by now. But they're worth over a million dollars put together. He has one worth $117 million simply because of all the extras he has had put in that automobile for him or his family. We hear about people like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And some of us tend to become a little bit envious. Oh, I wish I had a little bit more than I have. I wish I had more toys. But people, we need to understand as God's people, where you sit right now in your lifetime, in your life, not simply here in these pews, but my friend, we are rich. We are rich beyond belief. And we should be willing to share what we have. Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, He says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, Storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold of one thing ultimately, and that is eternal life in the presence of Almighty God. People, I hope that's what you're looking forward to. We who are rich in Christ are the richest people in the world. It has nothing to do with what's in your bank account, what's in your wallet, what you own. But we are called to appreciate and share the salvation we have through good works toward one another. Simply, thank you. A simple thank you. A preacher was concerned. This is supposed to be a true story, so I will tell it as a true story, but I'm going to somewhat condense it for this lesson this morning. There was a preacher who was concerned about the apathy and indifference in the world. And I asked a person one time, what, what is apathy and indifference? And they said, I, I don't know and I don't care. So I don't even know what it is today. Because he didn't tell me. But a preacher was concerned about the apathy of the average American church member. He had helped a local farmer do a lot of the, the dirty work around the farm where he would get dirty from head to toe, covered with mud and, and manure and, and, and all sorts of other things. And he was making it to, late making it to worship one Sunday evening, and he looked at himself and said, I'm going to be late if I go change my clothes and clean up. So he was thinking, I want to make a point 
with how I look right now. So he went to the church for the services that night. They sang a few hymns, and they took care of some other business. And he made his way at the proper time down the aisle to come up and stand and preach. And he was still in his coveralls, mud, boots on, manure. The place began to fill with that odor. Am I putting that in your mind right now? And the people were just like, what in the world? But his sermon was short that night. And he said these words, and I've condensed this just a little bit. He said, you act shocked as though I were a costumed clown. You are actually the ones in costume. 75% of the world is dressed like me, he said. Half of the world went to bed hungry tonight. You stuffed yourselves at lunch. You did it again at dinner. You even fed your dog with some of the leftovers. And you threw away enough food to feed a family of four simply because you wanted to impress somebody with the amount that you served. He went on to say that something's wrong with this country that lets grain rot in silos for political statements being made while bodies rot away in our own nation, let alone around the world, he said, what's more, we don't even seem to care many times. Until a certain time of the year comes around, we will collect food for people and give it to them, but they will not be hungry until next year around this same time when we need to care for them. He said, when I leave here tonight... I will be remembered as preaching like this and being some sort of an oddball behind the pulpit. The rest of the world wants what we have. And we're not going to give it to them because we are stingy and we want to hold on to what we have. We rarely appreciate what we have, but we only complain because we don't have that next little thing off to the side, unquote. Brothers and sisters, I want us to realize this morning, if you haven't already realized, we are the richest people, the most blessed people in this world if we know the Lord Jesus Christ. We are abundantly blessed. And here in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, the Apostle Paul points out three things, but I want to focus on two. He says, pray without ceasing. And I want you to do that, but that's not one of my points this morning. He says, first of all, that we are to be joyful. Thanksgiving, and I, I know you understand this, but I want to reiterate this for every single one of us sitting here this morning. Thanksgiving is not a one-day event out of the year where we give thanks. Thanksgiving needs to be a part of our life every single day that we live. And I want you to realize that if you haven't already. But we are called to be joyful, first of all. A thankful person is going to be a joyful person. And a joyful person cannot help but be thankful. The two seem to work together so well. Thank, we need to be thankful for what we have and not unthankful for what we don't yet have. But we want it so bad because someone else has it. And I've got to keep up with the stalls or the baileys or the snows, whoever it might be. 
be joyful. Humorous stories told about two friends. I think this is a true story as well. And I have a few illustrations this morning to bring out these points that I want to share with you. But two old friends bumped into each other on the street one day, and, and one friend was sitting there almost on the verge of tears. And they greeted each other, and the other one sat down and said, what has the world done to you that you're sitting here so upset and, and sad and forlorn in your life? And the man said, well, I'll tell you if you have a few moments. He said, three weeks ago, I had an uncle died, and he left me $40,000. Friend said, well, that's a lot of money. Yeah, but you don't understand. Two weeks ago, a cousin I never even knew died and left me $85,000. Free and clear. After taxes. Friend said, wow, it sounds like you've been blessed. He said, oh, you just don't understand. $40,000 three weeks ago, $85,000 two weeks ago, last week. I had a great aunt who died and she left me nearly $250,000 last week. The man said, what's the problem? I'm confused here. He said, well, nobody left me anything this week. <laughs> that might be an exaggeration of a story. But my friend, aren't we the same way many times? We are blessed in ways and still we expect more. We want more and we forget about what we have, but we focus on what we can yet achieve or gain or buy in our lives. We're not joyful many times, I believe, because we have either forgotten what we have or we don't realize what it is we've been blessed with in our life. We're not joyful. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did receive, indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Let me explain that a little bit. Everything we have in this life, we have received from our Creator. Everything. You look at the jobs that you go to that many times we will even complain about because it's so tough. Those people I work with, <laughs> we get that grumble in us from last week. Remember that? Our incomes, the cars we have, the homes that we own, the land, the food, the clothing... Even the very air you're breathing in right now to fill your lungs so you can stay awake for this sermon. That has been given to us by God. The very air that's going in and out of your lungs. Oh, we need to thank God for that. Every good and perfect gift comes down from God above. James tells us that. And there should be no boasting in our part saying, look what I have accomplished in my life. Look what I have because of my effort, my work. There should be no indifference to it either, as though it'll be there later. I just expect it to be there later. An older gentleman was talking about eating with an older couple in northern uh, uh, England right after World War II. 
The war had ended. Times were still uh, tough. Food was scarce. But the wife of this husband would go to the stream, catch a trout, gut it, slice it up properly, cook it with some vegetables from her garden, and she would prepare this wonderful meal for her, her husband, and this guest who was sharing this time with them. He enjoyed the meal, and he looked to the wife and he said, man, that was good. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And she kind of blushed. And he said, why do you blush? He said, oh, sir, my husband never says thank you for the simple meals that I prepare for him. And the man kind of felt bad for the husband, but he looked over at the husband who was reading a paper, and the husband simply said, honey, if it was bad, I would have told you. Where's our thanks? You see, we're ready to complain many times for the things that come our way, and we will hold on to that and complain and complain and complain again, telling one person after another after another the bad, horrible, awful way we were treated when somebody... Pulled in front of us at Walmart. Stole our parking place. Many times we're quick to complain. But not so quick. For a simple thank you. For what someone has done. A young man was feeling very proud of himself. As a brand new college graduate, he had taken the CPA test, the exam, he passed with flying colors. He was in the, the top 10 of his class. And now he was a full-fledged certified public accountant. He had done so well. His father was an immigrant to the U.S. and now he owned a little business that was thriving and filled with self-importance. This young man began to criticize his father and the way he kept the books for his store. He said, Dad, don't you, you don't even know how much you've made. You don't even know the profit that you have. You have counts receivable over here. You have all of your receipts over here. You keep all of your money in the cash register. You don't even know what you've made. The father said, Son... They didn't teach you this in college, but I want you to sit down for maybe the best class you will ever have. The father said, son, when your mother and I came to this country as immigrants, the only thing I owned was a pair of pants. The only thing I had with me was a pair of pants. Now your brother has graduated. He's a doctor. Your sister has graduated from college. She's a great art teacher. She's doing very well. Your brother's doing well. Now you are a college graduate. You're a CPA. You're doing fine in your job. He said, your mother and I own our house. It's paid for. We own our car. It's paid for. Our little business is doing so well, we have no fears at all. He said, now son, here's what I want you to do. Take everything that we have accomplished in life, your sister, your brother, you, the house, the, the car, the, the job that we have, the business that we own, subtract a pair of pants. It's all profit, son. It's all profit. Don't criticize me for how we got here. We have been so blessed. My friend, I want you to do the same thing. 
I want you to add up everything in your life. Everything in your life. Add it up. What I want you to do right now in your mind, I want you to go to your house. You're in your front yard. Wait a minute. You have a front yard. You look at your house. You have a house. You walk through the front door. And yes, you have a front door that can be locked and protect your family from outside elements and bad people. Walk inside. You have an easy chair where you can sit back, relax, watch some football, and go to sleep. Look in your pantry, people. You could feed yourselves, your family, probably for a month if times became hard from what's in your pantry, your refrigerator, and your freezer. You would not starve. Look in your bedroom. You're not sleeping under a tree out in the middle of nowhere. You have a nice mattress. You have a nice pillow. Many of you even have someone next to you when you lay down to hold you, to love you. And say, I'll see you in the morning. Add it all up. My friend, we are so rich. Simple. Thank you. Be joyful always, he says. Because we are so rich. Secondly, we are to give thanks. These two kind of flow together very, very uh, closely. It's really hard to separate joyful and thanks, but I'm going to try to do that. In verse 18, Paul says there, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. A thankful person is quick, very quick to give thanks to God. And not to forget, He is the one who's brought me to where I am, breathing the very air that I can, so I can turn to Him and say, Thank you, Father. Thank you. I like the story. Again, I don't know if this one's true or not, but it makes a good illustration for a sermon, so I'm going to use it. A lady pulled up to the drive-up window in the bank. And because it was a hot, sunny day, the teller had pulled the blind down so he could see them, but they could not see his face or her face. She pushed the button, the drawer came out, she put her deposit slip in there, she pushed the button, the drawer went back in, not a word was said. She waited a few moments, the drawer came open, she took out her receipt, took out the cash that she desired and had asked for, she put the money in her purse. She looked up at the window, trying to see a face. There was no face. So being the lady that she was, she said, she said, I suppose you're totally automated in there. But I just feel that I ought to say, thank you for your service. Most of us should be that way. More of us should be that way. All of us should be that way. People may be automated in their 
giving of thanks to us behind a register, behind whatever counter thank you. But we should not be so automated in our thank you as though we have to say it without really meaning it from the bottom of our hearts. We should be thankful to God for all those people out there who do service for us that if they were not there, we would only complain because we cannot do the business that we came to do. Give thanks, he says, in all circumstances. Now, the Apostle Paul doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances because I know and you know as well that not all circumstances are joyful to go through. We are not called to give thanks for, but thanks in all circumstances. If you've ever read Robinson Crusoe, Robinson Crusoe was shipwrecked on an island, and he was the only one out of, I forget how many were on the ship, he was the only one to survive. He made it to shore. But being the character, the personality that he was, he mentioned these things in his writings. He said, we were cast on a desert island, but I was still alive. Everyone else had drowned from the shipwreck. I survived. He said, I was separated from all mankind, but I was not starving. There was plenty of food hanging from trees all around me. I had no means of defense, but there were no wild animals to be afraid of. He had really nothing to speak of, he said, nothing in the way of material goods, but God had preserved his life by bringing that wrecked ship close enough that he could swim out to that ship, go in there and get what he needed to survive for his life. Robinson Crusoe came to the conclusion that there is no circumstance in all of life that is so miserable that we should hold on to the misery without recognizing what it is we've been blessed with in life. This is the attitude that we need to have. We need to always, always be thankful to God. One man tells in a, a book he wrote concerning his life about living in Brazil. He was a teacher. He would walk to the university day after day to teach his classes that he taught. And one day as he was walking along, he felt a tug on his pant leg. And he turned to look, and, and it was a little boy, five, six years old, tugging on his pant leg. Normally, he would just push people away because there were so many of them, you can't feed them all. But this one had something about him that drew his attention to him, and, and he looked down at that little boy, and the boy just looked up at him and said, Bread, sir. Bread, sir. So the man took him by the hand. He took him into a coffee shop, cafe type of a store. And he told the owner behind the counter, he said, I want a cup of coffee. Give this young man whatever he wants, a piece of bread, a pastry, whatever he wants, and I'll take care of it. Well, the man got his coffee. He went to the other side of the counter and sat down. The boy got his piece of bread, his pastry. And he really thought that this little boy was going to be just like every other boy. He gets his bread, runs out in the street, and disappears. You'll never see him again until he tugs on someone else's pant leg. But that didn't happen this day. He was drinking his coffee. And again, he felt this stare. 
And he looked over and there was this little boy. He stood up next to the little boy and the little boy looked at his pastry. He looked up at the man who, the boy came just about to his belt buckle and that little boy's eyes met the, the man's and he said, thank you, sir. Thank you so much. And then he walked out of the store. That man had a class to teach at the university. But he says in his writings that he sat there for another 30 minutes with tears in his eyes, thanking God for that opportunity to serve somebody who came back with a simple thank you for what you've done. I wonder, and I believe we can, make God's heart jump. That little boy made that man's heart bubble to the point that he got tears in his eyes because of the thanks that came from another human being. Even a small one like that. I wonder if we can make God's heart bubble just a little bit. Jump just a little bit with joy when we just turn to him and say, Thank you, God. Thank you, Father, for what you blessed me with in my life. I have a husband, I have a wife, I have beautiful children. I have a church family that loves me. Make God's heart bubble by saying thank you. One last illustration I want to share with you that I believe kind of brings everything together. There was a young girl who had a central nervous system cancer that was eating her alive from the inside. She was in pain, she was suffering, she was hurting, she was in a hospital being given different meds to help her pain to be eased and pushed aside a little bit. Her birthday was just a couple days away. And her family, as they gathered around her hospital bed, said, what do you want for your birthday, dear? What do you want for your birthday? And she looked around at everybody that was in that room and she looked on her bed and on the side table. She said, well, I have my Cabbage Patch doll. I have two sticker books. I have crayons and, and, and coloring books. And I have you people. She said, I guess I don't need anything. Because I have everything I need right here in this room. People, I want to tell you, I have everything I need right here in this room when I have you. And you have everything you need right here in this room when you have one another and me. I feel so much like a part of the family here that it's hard to really express it. But I want to close by, by using Psalm 100, if I can read it. Psalm 100 Remember this when Thanksgiving Day comes. The writer says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him 
and bless his name, for the Lord is good. He is merciful, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures forever. I don't know if anybody here remembers or ever heard of Down by the Creek Bank. Anybody heard of that? It was a children's album that came out years ago that we had our boys, our kids listen to. And it has some really nice songs for young people. And one of those songs went something like this. I'm not going to sing it. Are you grumbly hateful or are you humbly grateful? What's your attitude? What's your attitude? Christian, we are too close to eternity to give up today. We are too close to being in the presence of our Heavenly Father for us to not give thanks to our Father. Christian, if you need to repent, do that today. Walk down here. I'll cry with you. You see that I cry. I'm not afraid to cry. I'm a bigger man than that. And if you're not a Christian according to the God's word, the Bible says very plainly, Jesus said, the Son of God said, the co-creator of the universe said, the one who's coming back to judge the living and the dead said, he that believes and is baptized will be saved to rise to walk from that watery grave, a new creature living for God with thanks on their lips. Let's stand and sing our hymn of decision.